Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for that reminder today. Lord, where there is anxiety, Lord, I pray that you would overwhelm us with your peace that makes sense even though we don't know all the answers. Lord, where there is violence, help us to overcome this through your patience and love. Lord, when we fear, give us a confidence that comes from knowing your Holy Spirit is powerful and present within us. Lord, where there is depression, help us to hope in you. Lord, remind us today of your name, the great I am. Help us to be still in that truth. Remind us of this truth every day in our lives. Today, every day, and help us to remind other people of that as well. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, and I've got to say I'm feeling a little bit of deja vu this morning that goes back a little bit over three decades. When I was in seminary, we had something that was called homiletics labs, and that's a big fancy word that just simply means preaching lab. And as students, we had to prepare 10-minute sermons, and we would go into a lab, and we would speak to a camera and a small group of fellow students. There may be five or six in the group. They would listen. They would take notes. They would critique, give us their critique. We'd have to read it later. And uh, then we'd have to look at our video later that was um, recorded while we were preaching, and we would be graded. And uh, if we went over 10 minutes, we were docked a little bit on our grade. But I'm feeling some deja vu, but don't get excited about the 10 minutes because that no longer applies, thank the Lord. But I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that you are wherever you are this morning joining us. And we're going to look at Psalms 42 and 43. This morning, two short Psalms, and I'm going to ask you to turn there, because I'd like for you to follow along with me as we read down through these two Psalms in a little bit. And while you're finding your place there at Psalm 42... I might give a commercial, and I hope I'm not off on this, but I think something, Lord willing, may be happening on Wednesday night that has never happened before at Wake Chapel. And uh, I think we're going to be having a Zoom Bible study led by Pastor Isaac from Oak Island. And uh, so tune in on Wednesday night. I'm hope I'm not wrong on that and that that will happen and um, if it doesn't I'm in trouble but uh, I think that's in the plan anyway and I'm hoping along with the lesson and the prayers together we might even get a fishing report but let's keep our pastor and his family in our prayers this week Lord willing they will be returning in on Saturday I want to read one verse from Psalm 42 and it's verse 5 and then I want to pray, and then I want to look at these two psalms with you a little, little closer. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation 
and my God. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that you will send out your light and your truth and that they will lead us. And Father, I pray you will give us grace to trust you and to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we look at these two Psalms a little closer, I, I want to say two things in general about the book of Psalms, and then two things, a, a couple of things in particular about Psalms 42 and 43, and then we're going to read through these Psalms together and talk about them some. First of all, I would just like to encourage each one of you, of the few that are in the room with me this morning, uh, the minimal group, and also those of you who are at home or wherever you are, to read much and to read slowly in the book of Psalms in these different and sometimes difficult days that we are navigating. I believe there are Psalms for all seasons of life and for all the new normals that we're called upon to face. Secondly, you have probably already noticed that there are different kinds of psalms in the book of Psalms, just as there are different kinds of songs in our hymn book. Uh, this morning, for the purposes of looking at Psalms 42 and 43, I just want to mention four of those kinds. There are more, but I want to mention four of them. As you read through the book of Psalms uh, much and hopefully slowly, you'll notice that there are some psalms of confidence, such as Psalm 23, familiar to Probably most of us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Confidence in the Lord expressed all the way through. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? There are also psalms of praise. Somebody has referred to psalms of praise as psalms of orientation. Uh, that just means that these are psalms that express a clear awareness of who God is, what God has done, what God is doing, what God has promised to do, and there is praise going on. But there are also psalms of lament. And these have been referred to as psalms of disorientation. And psalms that are dealing with life when it's chaos, when it's distress, when it's affliction, and when it's trouble in one form or another, and lives and hearts are disoriented. Somebody has said this about lament psalms. Laments are songs that are sung when life is troubled. And to that I would say it's a song sung blue, probably in a minor key. Songs of lament. There are also psalms of thanksgiving. These have been referred to as psalms of reorientation. And in these, the psalmist expresses thanks to God for deliverance from the trouble. And life has taken a new path, may still be in trouble, but, still, but now reoriented as the Lord has, del has delivered. Now, back to Psalms 42 and 43. Psalms 42 and 43 are psalms of lament. But like other psalms, 
they have some of the characteristics of other kinds. Sprinkle through, you'll see some statements of, of faith. And sprinkle through, you'll see some expectations of praising. Now, it's interesting and very encouraging to me to, to know that, that lament psalms appear in the book of Psalms more than any other kind. I love that. And um, it's somewhat surprising because the Hebrew title for the book of Psalms means book of praises. But then book, uh, uh, Psalms of lament predominate over any other kind. But book of praises is a good title Because the book of Psalms ends in an explosion of praise. The last five Psalms, each of them begins and ends with these three words. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All the way through. And we're reminded that the book of Psalms, in the book of Psalms, praise gets the last word. And I think we're also reminded that though we live in the land of lament, For the believer in Jesus Christ, praise is going to get the last word. But we're not always on a mountaintop of praise. And uh, there are psalms for every season of the soul. And there is no emotion experience that is not somewhere expressed for us in the book of Psalms. So I want you to do something as we read through these two Psalms. They're short. I want you to try and identify with the sad singer in these two Psalms in three areas. When he talks about his situation, I want you to think about your situation. When he talks about his soul, his inner being... I want you to think about your inner being, your soul. And then when he talks about his God, and these two Psalms, by the way, are saturated with God. 21 times you'll read the name, the word God, the title God, in these short 16 verses. So when he refers to his God, I want you to think about your relationship with your God. Now, there are many who believe, and I think for good reason, that Psalms 42 and 43 were originally one psalm. There are several reasons to believe that, but one of the reasons is because there is a refrain that occurs three times in these two psalms, twice in 42, once in 43, and it's the the refrain I read just a moment ago. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. So, as we read through these Psalms, we're going to see three stanzas that lead us into these three refrains, a lot like a hymn in the hymn book. Have a stanza and then a chorus or refrain. Another stanza, refrain. Stanza, refrain. And we're going to look at this as we go through. And we'll see that there's a theme that ties together these three stanzas and these three refrains. And the theme is that we see a sad singer who is longing 
for God. And in his longing, he's dealing with deep depression. Now, before we start reading them, there's one other thing I want to mention. I think the title will help us to better understand this longing and this deep depression that the singer is expressing and feeling. Look at that title. It's before verse 1. It says, to the choir master. And then it says, a maskeel of the sons of Korah. Now, we don't know exactly what the word maskeel means. It may be probably is a musical or liturgical uh, notation, but we know more about the sons of Korah. Let me tell you just a little bit about the sons of Korah. This family was chosen to serve in the temple. Part of the family were chosen to be doorkeepers and guardians. Another part were chosen to be singers and musicians in the temple. In the temple choir that was instituted and started under King David. So they had a job. They had a a ministry. They had a point to their life. And it was to serve in the temple. So as we read through these two psalms together, we are probably reading a lament of a temple musician who is exiled from the city of God, from the people of God, from the house of God, and he's longing to be back. And he's longing for God. In 42 verses 1 through 5, we see his longing is described as an intense thirst. In verses 6 through 10, his longing is expressed in deep depression. And then in verses 1 through 4 of 43, his longing is communicated to God in hopeful prayer. So look at the first stanza with me, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read those four verses, and I bet some of you are going to start humming a tune when I start reading them. A familiar song has been composed based on this passage. As the deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. We see a man who is longing like a deer panting for water. And the word pants here in verse 1 communicates not just a quiet languishing, oh, I'm a little thirsty. No, it's a strong, audible thirst and pant for water that you can hear. Probably the result of a drought. And the deer is desperate. And the singer of the psalm is desperate. And he asked the question, when shall I come and appear before God? In verse 3, we see his longing is accompanied by tears. My tears have been my food day and night. Tears are his steady diet. For some of you to whom I'm speaking this morning, tears may be a part of your diet. More than usual. 
But as we look at this guy, we also see that longing is intensified by persistent ridicule. In verse 3, he says, Why, While they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Now, we're going to find out more about who they are a little bit later. But he says there are some folks who are saying to him, Where's your God? He is outwardly vulnerable because his faith is ridiculed. But he is also inwardly vulnerable because his thirst is for God. And it seems that God has forgotten him and rejected him. And then in verse 4, we see that his longing is heightened as he remembers. Sometimes all you can do is remember. And here in verse 4, he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Uh, the, the great Baptist preacher from another generation, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, said this about memory. He said, memory is frequently the bond slave of despondency. And the memory just adds to the grief sometimes. Look at what he's remembering. He's remembering going with a throng. When's the last time you used that word, throng? He's remember leading that throng in procession to the house of God. He's remembering glad shouts. He's remembering songs of praise. He's remembering a multitude-keeping festival. Let me ask you another question. When was the last time you were with a throng? When was the last time you were with <clears throat> a multitude? My multitudes, uh, the last 12 Sundays on Sundays, have been about 10 people. We were with a small multitude at a fish place the other night. We ate at the picnic tables outside. Maybe there were 15, more like 10, but we were separated. And we were not singing glad songs. But he's remembering these things, and he's remembering what used to be. He was remembering things that could and did change. He was remembering things that were once experienced, but are now beyond his reach. He was remembering things that were once enjoyable constants. Just expect them to happen. But now they're just painful memories. And his longing is expressed here by pouring out his soul in verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Then we come to the refrain. And in a lot of the hymns we sing when we come to the chorus of the refrain, <clears throat> many times it's a happy tune. But here's the refrain again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Now look at it. He's talking to himself. Here he's not talking to God. He's not talking to them, ever who they are, who were saying, where is your God? But he's talking to himself as though he were two men. And his faith is reasoning with his fears. And his hope 
is arguing with his sorrows. And we see, I believe, a man who is fighting the good fight of faith. Fighting the good fight of faith. And in the next stanza, we see the battle continues. Verses 6 through 10, we're going to read together. We see his longing is expressed in deep depression. Look at verse 6. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries, this is who they are, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? We see the longing of the psalmist expressed in deep depression. He says in verse 6, my soul is cast down within me. You know, you think about it, depression can rear its ugly head at any moment. At a moment's notice. And I can't help but believe that during the past two and a half plus months, uh, there has been bouts of depression in souls of people around the world, in our neighborhoods, maybe even in in our homes, maybe even in our hearts, Related to a pandemic. But the weeds of depression can grow in a variety of soils. Um, They can be brought on by external circumstances, internal strife, cruel words, hurtful actions, loss of a loved one, physical problems, just to name a few. We don't need a pandemic to trigger depression. And just like the psalmist, I often find myself with a sense of despondency, sometimes hopelessness. And in his downcast condition, I love this, there's another reference to remembering. Look at verse 6. He says, My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. I remember you. A lady by the name of Lydia Brownback has written a a book on Psalms. I've just read just a little bit of it. Uh, Kim passed it along to me the other day. It's her book, and I enjoyed it. And one of the things she says about memories is that memory mentors our moods, especially in trying times. Here he says, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you. Maybe we see a progression here in the soul of this sad singer. Compare what he says here in verse 6 with the memory of verse 4. In verse 4 he said, these things I remember. Now they were good things. But they were things that could 
and things that did change and were now beyond his reach. But now he says, I remember you. There in verse 4, he was remembering things that could and did change, but now he is remembering the unchanging God. There in verse 4, he was remembering things that were no longer within his reach. But now he is remembering God who is within his reach through prayer and the Word. But as he's remembering his God, he continues expressing his longing with more information about what's driving his depression. Look what we see in verse 6. It seems he's remembering God while he himself is in exile. We don't know for sure why he's in exile, but he refers to remembering God, verse 6, from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Now the location of Mount Mizar is unknown. It may uh, refer to a hill in or near the Mount Hermon range. But Mount Hermon is a mountain range to the far north of Israel, a good distance from Jerusalem, on the border and perhaps uh, outside the boundary of Israel, and it's near the headwater, headwaters of the Jordan River. Now think about a map with me for just a minute to get a picture of where this guy is. Up north in Jerusalem, Mount Hermon. And for those of you who've been to Israel, I've never been to Mount Hermon, but some of the other places I'm going to mention I can visualize. From Mount Hermon, <clears throat> waters flow from Mount Hermon and are the headwaters for the Jordan River. And the Jordan River flows from up there down to the Sea of Galilee. So a little south, somewhat south of Mount Hermon, got Sea of Galilee. The Jordan River flows out of the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea in the south. And just west of the top of the Dead Sea is Jerusalem where the temple of God was. I don't know the exact miles, but he was probably well over 100 miles away. It's a long ways when you don't have a car to jump in. He, and he's in exile, probably. And he refers to the wild waters. And this may be referring to the, the wild waters coming down from Mount Hermon that would eventually become the source of the Jordan River. And these waters, they seem to be a metaphor for what's going on in, in his soul. Verse 7, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. And the waters seem to picture the turmoil and chaos that he's feeling in his soul. And this picture reminds me of a song that we sing a lot at Wake Chapel. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. But look what he says about the waterfalls and the breakers and the waves. He says, at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers, 
and your waves have gone over me. Now, who's the your referring to? Again, he's talking about God. God's waterfalls, God's breakers, God's waves. Even these are under the sovereign control of the Lord. And whether it's rushing waters cascading down from Mount Hermon, or a pandemic affecting the whole globe, or a trouble in your heart that only you and God know about, it's not on daily news, but it's a daily battle in your heart. And this reminds me that none of these things are a surprise to God. They are all under His sovereign control and He is big enough and He is gracious and loving enough to cause all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are the called according to His purpose. Now we come down to verse 8. And I see something here to me is very interesting and encouraging. And, and also, this verse almost seems out of place in this song. We see an evidence of faith, I believe, that's giving backbone and direction to his lamenting, to his pouring out his soul. And the verse is not out of place, but it is in a very interesting place. When you put Psalms 42 and 43 together, this verse is right in the middle. Look at the way it's divided. Look at the the symmetry of the stanzas. Verses in, in, in Psalm 42, there are four verses, then a stanza. Look at Psalm 43. There are four verses and then a stanza. Look at the middle stanza, 6 through 10. There are five verses and a stanza. There's an extra verse, and that extra verse right in the middle of that middle stanza is verse 8. Also, throughout these two psalms, there are 24 refer- 21 references to God. But here in verse 8, we find the only reference to the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh, the great I Am, as He revealed Himself to Moses. The self-existent One, the eternal One, the One who makes covenant with His people and who keeps His covenant. And here the psalmist says, By day the Lord, Yahweh, commands His steadfast love. And at night His song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Here He refers to Yahweh's steadfast love. Steadfast love in the Old Testament is is the translation... Uh, this word is a translation of the Hebrew word, and I've, I've got to tell you this Hebrew word because it's so easy to say. Some of them aren't. But it's the word hesed. Hesed. And it's an important word in the Old Testament. And in the book of Psalms, you'll find it over 120 times. And it's translated in different ways depending on the translation. One guy wrote a book, Michael Card, the uh, 
musician wrote a book about Hesed. And I think the title is something like indescribable. This word, it's so rich. I think it's in the NIV translation. It's translated unfailing love. Sometimes it's translated loving kindness. Consistently in the ESV, which is the translation I read from mostly, it's translated steadfast love. There is one exception in the ESV in Psalm 23. And I think they, my guess is that they did it because we're so familiar with it where we read in verse 6, Surely goodness and hesed will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. There it's, tra- in, in some translations, surely goodness and mercy. We could translate it, surely goodness and steadfast love will follow me all the days of my life. And I think this sad singer needed to remember this about God. And I know I need to remember this about my God. And though there is an evidence here in verse 8 of faith and convictions, there is no easing of the stress and strain. As we see in verse 9, it's expressed with questions. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Somebody has said this, asking God why is not necessarily disrespectful. It all depends on the heart attitude. God rejects the why of arrogant complaint, but he welcomes the why of a humble heart that's seeking. It's good to remember that God can see our faith and can handle our questions all at the same time. And in verse 10, we see an echo that was up in verse 3, from verse 3, talking about the taunting words again and the terrible effect. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Then we come to our refrain. Why? Now the why question is to his soul. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. It's an important dialogue between the two aspects that are living in the heart of one believer. On one hand, he's a man of convictions. On the other hand, he's a creature of change. And that's true of all God's children. All believers in Jesus Christ, a person of convictions, but we're creatures of change. And change has brought turmoil. But convictions have caused him to talk to himself. When's the last time you talked to yourself? Well, whenever it was, and whenever the next time comes, I hope you were telling yourself the truth. He's still fighting a good fight of faith. <clears throat> In 
we come to the last stanza, which is the first four verses of Psalm 43, and we see the longing of the psalmist is communicated in hopeful prayer. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre. Evidently, his instrument of choice was a lyre, something like a harp. I will praise you with the lyre. O God, my God. We still see the dark moods in this refrain, but they alternate with hopeful praying. First of all, he appeals to God's justice. Vindicate me. Defend my cause. Then there is the ground for that appeal in verse 2. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Then we hear an echo Again, of the questions that were asked in 49.2. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? But here, the questions are in the context of thoughtful and hopeful prayer. And we hear some more praying in the next verse. Send out your light. In your truth, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. This word that's in verse 3 translated truth is sometimes translated faithfulness. And sometimes it goes hand in hand with steadfast love. Steadfast love and faithfulness. God's Truth is always faithful, and God's faithfulness is always true. And here the sad singer needs God's light, truth, and faithfulness to dispel the darkness and the insecurity that's in his situation. And then we hear his hope of restoration. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you. With the lyre, O God, my God. Now throughout this psalm, we've seen God referred to 21 times. He has referred to God as the living God. He has referred to God as my God. He has referred to God as the Lord or, or the God of my life. Here he refers to God as God, my exceeding joy. And then for the third time, we come to the refrain. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. I think the psalmist has a hope that praise is going to get the last word. Even though he's in a flood right now. I want to give you three things to put into action from these two psalms. 
briefly. I thought about saying, I want to give you three things to take home with you, but you're, most of you are already at home. So while you're at home, and while you're wherever you are, even if you're on a kayak, three things to put into action. First of all, talk to God about everything that's going on in your situation and in your soul. Pour out your soul about everything to God. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Remembering that He can handle it all and He can help in it all. I love the beautiful four-letter word, come. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Again, Lydia Brownback said, The Psalms of Lament teach us that God welcomes boldness and honesty in our prayers. Remember that lamenting is part of fighting the good fight of faith. And remember that when you are lamenting in prayer, pouring out everything to God, you're in good company. The sons of Korah, David, Jeremiah, Job, and most importantly, Jesus. And I love Paul's words in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Little things can get me down. So we can bring the little things and the big things. In everything by prayer and supplication, let your thank. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind by Christ Jesus. First, talk to God about everything that's going on in your situation and in your soul. Secondly, talk to yourself about everything God has promised you in Jesus. Talk to yourself about everything God has promised you in Jesus. Remembering that we live on this side of the cross of Jesus. We live on this side of the empty tomb. And the good news of Jesus Christ is not a game changer. The good news of Jesus Christ is an everything changer. It changes everything. There are still times of lament of hurt. But we need to talk to ourselves about everything that God has promised us. Guided by the light and truth of God's Word, talk to yourself. Preach to yourself. Exhort yourself. Rebuke yourself. Say to yourself, soul, why are you cast down? Hope in God. I follow a couple of guys on Twitter, and one caught my eye the other day. I looked down and what he said really jumped out. He, he said this. He said, I received a letter this morning informing me that I have come into the inheritance of unimaginable wealth. So, whoa. And then I kept reading. He said, I am the legal heir now, will enjoy the best part of it the moment I die, and the rest when Jesus comes. And he went on and said, I understand the same letter has been sent to millions. 
Are you reading your letter? Are you talking to yourself about your letter and who you are in Jesus, child of God, and what you have in Him? I love Paul's words again when he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Praise is going to get the last word. Talk to God about everything that's going on in your life. Talk to yourself about everything God has promised you. And then the last thing, the psalmist said it three times. All three times in the refrain. Hope in God. God didn't make us with the design nor the directions to hope in anything or anyone other than Himself. And He reminds us of that. Hope in God, not changing circumstances. Hope in God, not changing people. But in the unchanging God who has revealed Himself to us in His Word and in His Son, Jesus. He is the rock, we are not. He is the refuge, we are not. He is the Savior, we are not. Hope in God. And remember this, that when Jesus was on the cross... He asked the why question. Two. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's quoting a psalm. He's quoting a psalm of lament. The answer to Jesus' question is the source of our hope. God forsook His Son that He might bring many sons to glory and eternally embrace those who trust His Son who ever lives now to make intercession for us. He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Child of God and sometimes child of sorrow, remember His steadfast love will not let you go. Remember that praise will get the last word, and if you are a follower of Jesus, you will be a part of the celebration. In the meantime, live hoping in God. Let's pray together. God of hope, I pray that you will fill your people with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of your Spirit we may abound in hope. In Jesus' name, amen.